This episode is brought to you by Verity. Verity just launched their brand new student information system called Verity Student. Verity Student is everything you wish you had in your student information system and then some. Verity Student combines top-notch, unparalleled compliance and efficiency-boosting processes with the best communication features built into one single platform. Verity Student streamlines academic tracking, document management with an electronic signature, and a built-in powerful contact center with multi-channel communication. The unfortunate complications that human errors prevent are virtually eliminated with their improved process workflow automation that paves the way for data and reporting that you can actually count on. It's the most efficient recruiting, enrollment, and retention process that you have ever seen. Get more than you have with less strain on your budget with Verity Student. Experience the cost efficiencies that their all-inclusive tool provides compared to other, more expensive tools with less functionality. The unified pricing includes a multi-channel communication hub at a fraction of the amount that you'd pay for multiple systems. Say goodbye to inefficiency. Say goodbye to disjointed communications. Say goodbye to Excel when you say hello to Verity Student. At Verity, they only know one direction and one speed. Always forward and always fast. Harness the power of one with Verity Student. Request a behind-the-scenes look at their new student information system, Verity Student, at meetverity.com. Again, that's meetverity.com. Good morning, Mickey. Good morning, Zach. Happy, 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 happy Thursday, Thursday or no, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yeah I, yeah, I guess. Oh, cat's out of the bag. We actually record these things on Thursday. Not uh, No, no. It, no, I just got confused on what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> if we could have like one hour turnaround time between the time that we record to the time that it gets edited and published, that would be amazing. Um, but I think 24 hour turnaround time is still pretty is still pretty rad. So hopefully, hopefully our listeners agree. But um, how are you doing, man? What's a uh, what's what's on your mind right now? Uh, well, it's spring break. Uh, we've got a lot of schools that are in the midst of making um, some pretty large plans for fall or making decisions about plans for fall. Um, I'm getting lots of questions uh, from schools who are anxious and nervous. Uh, I do not envy being in that um, in their shoes uh, on every any given day. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of variance in data right now in terms of what the pipelines look like, um, and I'm getting lots of questions. You know, what should we be doing today hmm. to impact fall? And I and that's really re- regardless of population. And, and, you know, interestingly, that's not always the case in the springtime like this, where folks are like, you know, what can I be doing today? Or what can I be doing this week to impact fall? You know, if you're a, a program focused on, you know, non-traditional students, you know, the you're not necessarily focused on what can I do today? You sure. know, what can I be doing now that prepares us for the summer when the flux of, of prospective students start to raise their hand, um, but not what can I do today to impact uh, my fall? I'm not, I don't get that as often, but we're getting it. And there are just, um, there's just seems to be lots of interest. That's exciting. I mean, it's exciting that folks are thinking and, uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that, hey, what we do today, what we do tomorrow is going to have an impact on on the near future. Um, what I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the biggest challenges you feel like folks are wrestling with right now? Is it 
is it deposits? Is it uh, are they are people worried about yield? Are I mean, what what are sort of like the the primary uh, concerns that your that your clients are wrestling with right now? Yep. So there's a it, it varies by um, by a couple of factors. One, the population type. You know, if you are a, if you're focused on traditional undergraduate students, yields a big one. Uh, and 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 you know the the answer, honestly, you know, what can I do today? For that group, really depends. Uh, to, well, to an extent, it depends on um, how your prospective students, um, what the enrollment cycle looks like. So, are you a selective? You know, where ninety nine point nine nine percent of your class is made by May one on that deposit deadline? Are you rolling admissions, um, where maybe seventy five or eighty percent is made that at that time or less? Um, are you a two year institution where? Five percent or less of your pop, of your uh, fall class will be decided on May one, where it's realistically maybe upwards of a third of your population is coming in the last three weeks before the term starts. Hmm. And yeah. so, the answer to what can you do uh, today varies uh, on that because depending upon your students' timeline, um, should vary up. You know what you should be doing um, with that. So. That's kind of, and I, you know, I think that hits on a little bit um, with what we were also talking about last week, and I know we'll talk about that shortly um, as we continue that conversation. Um, but yeah. it's, it's, it, it kind of matters. I'll share with you. I know we were just talking about this, so I'll just throw this out there. You know, we've got a um, uh, prospective client we've been talking with and doing some things with, um, who has some additional dollars um, for for aid purposes, um, blend of uh, merit or need-based aid. And they're trying to identify that they don't have any modeling in place to say, you know, here, here's who we should really target. Um, but we're trying to identify who, who, not just where we can get the biggest bang for our buck, but then who really needs it? And how do we really know that um, without them filling out that appeal form? Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've been coming up with some, some ideas with them to do that. You know, we're looking at, um, we're looking at a pretty cool campaign. They have technology that allows them to kind of track um, the web pages that a prospective student um, is visiting and, and collecting that into the, the contact record in their CRM. And, and as they look at specific pages, you know, if they hit the, you know, appeal your award letter page uh, more than three times, you know, then that can trigger a campaign for them. It can also put them on a special list where we look at how we're targeting folks. And so we have additional type of content being created, how, you know, what are the primary factors or reasons that uh, students win the appeal on their award um, that generate. We're also opening up and setting aside time for uh, financial aid to be more available on a chat, a different type of financial aid person, not just a student worker or, or an entry-level person. This could be um, an associate director that's sitting by on chat to say, you know, from the, this this morning, um, between this time, this lunchtime, or this evening, um, you know, you'll have someone that can talk with you specifically about your award and identify um, factors that may help you um, increase your award letter. Uh, and then we're, you know, setting up Zoom appointments, another important one um, in terms of identifying, you know, opportunities to have a real chat with someone, you know, visually through video, not just an online chat um, um, agent, but having, you know, a Zoom meeting with someone so you can talk through those scenarios. You know, some people do have um, significant financial changes in their income, um, and they have questions about, you know, what the type of documentation you need. Some people, uh, some students have potentially uh, finished some additional AP or dual enrollment uh, credits that might actually put them above a freshman year status. 
what does that mean for their um, aid or their uh, their student loans? Do they uh, are they eligible for additional student loans for that first year? Uh, and then there's folks that um, who are borderline who may have had you know somewhere around a three five GPA and have knocked it out of the part and have A pluses in, in their senior year. Does that put them above a three six? You know what does it do to their GPA? Well, this is high school, so realistically GPA scores are all, all over the place. They could have a six point nine GPA, <laughs> probably no. But but you know with that in mind, what does that do? And and how we can start having some of those conversations? We can say you know what this person's real A understanding and acknowledging the fact that they're signing up for that shows intent and interest. Yeah. We talk a lot about data uh, on this show uh, about the importance of having it. And we don't always clarify what, what do we mean when we talk about having data, knowing that someone is on a page about financial aid appeal, knowing that someone is chatting with someone in financial aid about how to appeal or the type of appeal that they're interested in, knowing that they're signing up and attending, Two different data points, mind you, a Zoom session with financial, having that type of data helps you understand intent and interest. Yeah. And then you can think about, okay, I, I've got five people to make phone calls to talk to students as it's deposit time, and there are 6,000 students. How do we do it? Well, you know what? There's someone to start with. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, that's how data helps inform them. And so it's not just how to help engage, because that is number, priority one. Priority two is then let's look at how do we use our additional dollars appropriately. And priority three is how do we know who's most interested yeah. for our time? Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, that's a, a really cool concept. Doing, and then that could be replicated in other places. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm working on a, a post, uh, a blog post type thing now, you know, which ask, and I mentioned that schools are looking at decisions on their plans for the fall. If you if your school is committed to open for the fall and you've been closed and not really had people on campus, um, now's a good opportunity. It's, and let's just let's put it this way. And you're rolling admissions. All yeah. those factors are in place uh, so that not 99.99% of your class is made by, um, by May 1. Well, here's another opportunity. What can you be doing? Can we start offering the physical campus tours? Um, and, and the reason I think that's important, you know, I've had a client in the past who said, the 85% of the students who come to their campus for campus tour end up enrolling. Wow. 85%. That's astonishing. Right? So I normally hear like 50%, but, or, you know, yes, uh, 40, 85, 40, 50%. 80, That's amazing. And which I found, I saw the data. I saw it. Wow. So in that scenario, if I'm that school, I want to, and I know I'm going to open in the fall, and this is a school that would have rolling admissions. I want to take anybody that had a virtual tour and work to get them on campus in May and early June. Yeah. Yeah. If they have a deposit by May one, I want them on campus for a tour because then I get to give them that experience that has worked for so many other students because something's happening during that tour that makes that student feel at home and feel comfortable and helps their parents feel that way. Yeah. So, you know, those types of things, you know, I, that's, that's what I'm doing. So if I, if I know my school's planning on it, I'm going to be pushing them today to say, can we be ready in June for some tours? Yeah. And here's why this is important because if I've got data like that and we know we can do this in a safe way because it's going to be warm and we're going to be outside, then you have an opportunity because it doesn't, the campus tour that's physically on campus doesn't have to be the exact same. You don't have to go in all the buildings and touching all the door. No, no, find a way to modify. Yeah. That, that's what you should be doing today. How do you modify it? How do you push your leadership to ensure that they will allow this? 
and oh, make that happen. So much, so much gold. Um, yeah, it's funny. This is, is what you're talking about right now is um, it aligns very well with a couple conversations that I had this week that I wanted to talk about. One with um, uh, Amy Glenn, who's a, a vice president of, I believe, student financial success at uh, Campus Logic. And to your point, Mickey, earlier about financial aid and getting creative about, okay, if you've got a little bit of extra cash, how do you you know, what, what, what can you do with your aid offer, with your aid strategy to stand out, to be a little bit different, to utilize the data that your CRM is collecting to make smarter decisions about who to really spend time nurturing and who not to. And what, one of the things Amy said, which I was, I thought was just super interesting was she said, look, a lot of the time when, you know, when we think about financial aid, we tend to think about sort of like archaic systems, a lot of red tape. It's a, you know, it's highly regulated. There's a lot of, you know, federal and state level, you know, stuff to work through that is just not change. We have to work within these like very, very like hard to, hard to move, not, not flexible sort of like boundaries and frameworks. Um, and yet what her big sort of like thesis in our conversation, which we'll publish on one of the Enrollify podcasts in the next few weeks um, is, is that there's actually still a lot of room to be highly creative in how we think about aid offers and how we think about sort of the aid process as a whole. And one of her big sort of solutions, if you will, to this, this problem is changing the way that we think about aid officers and helping empower them. And from a hiring standpoint, from a from a skills training and development standpoint to, to act more like financial advisors and less just like, you know, aid uh, offers, uh, excuse me, officers. And she talked about sort of like some schools still call, still call financial aid folks, financial aid counselors, but even like that term has sort of like, you know, gone away or it's, it's faded into the background a little bit. And, um, she believes very strongly that like, you know, like a key difference between like an accountant and an advisor is that an advisor really comes to the table with, with options, with strategies, right? Like, what do you want? How are we going to get you from point A to point B? Right. Um, whereas an accountant is, is really just there to tell you what is, um, and, and whatnot. And so I thought that that idea was super, super interesting, um, and aligns with sort of your, your idea around how schools can think differently what they can do today to have an immediate impact on this fall. And maybe that starts with rethinking, okay, how do we want to communicate aid offers? How do we want to communicate from an appeal standpoint in a way that is different and unique, maybe incorporating video in, into the context of a campaign um, to those people that have, you know, 10 or more visits to that appeals page, but again, haven't actually submitted that appeals form, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I love that idea. I think that that's very like practical and, not hard to do for, for most folks. Um, and then the second thing, um, that, that you're talking to about, you're talking about with, with respect to getting people back on campus, campus tours. Uh, one of the, uh, things we left off last week kind of as a cliffhanger was this report that, um, I believe modern campus did maybe in conjunction with Barnes and Noble education. Um, I can't actually find where, uh, I can't find the actual report. I believe it was a, co a collaboration with them, uh, with, the, with those two, uh, with those two companies. And basically this report, uh, surveyed thousands and thousands of students and big shocker, big surprise, right? Students reported that 90% of higher education institutions delivered subpar digital engagement over the past two semesters for the folks that were doing virtual learning and or even hybrid learning. And, you know, this number 
is is in is in some sense shocking 90% right in other ways it's like okay well i'm surprised not every school got like a you know bad grade on how they deliver digital content um over the past over the past year or so um but this is this rem- this is a a uh totally aligned with the conversation i had with um soham katan i don't know if you have heard of ambi Mickey, but it's this new sort of like learning social network. Um, they believe like they're a brand new category of social network, um, and they're they're targeting um, colleges and universities. They basically want to be like the, a Facebook meets like a Blackboard at a university. Um, very very interesting product. I've actually looked at it, and it's the UX and UI is like fantastic. But their their whole bet right is that the way in which colleges and universities are uh, another key point of differentiation in the future, even, even in a world where everything goes back to quote unquote normal and we're on campus is folks are going to be evaluated based off of how, um, how great their digital offerings are. So like, what is the digital experience like at your college and university from the platforms, from the tools, from the, the quality of the video content that you're watching via an asynchronous course module. That is going to be a way in which prospective students actually evaluate whether or not they want to go to uh, they, they want to go to a school, especially as more and more coursework will will be offered in sort of uh, hybrid formats. Um, you'll, the the rate at which uh, you know online only courses um, uh, will be adopted and proliferated is only going to increase exponentially after after all things COVID. Um, and so I just thought that that was a super, super interesting point is thinking about sort of how you offer your, what, what digital experience you offer in conjunction with the campus experience that you offer more than ever before schools really, really, really need to be thinking about that. And that's a long-term solution. It, this, that's not just a, okay, yes, we know we need to invest in some, you know, new videos and some better, you know, UX for these particular pages over the next, you know, several months because we're still all coming out of this pandemic. Um, but no, that uh, that experience that is offered digitally is going to be, is, there's only going to be more demand and more expectation for better quality digital stuff. Well, again, whether that's video content, whether that's the actual platform that your school hosts its course modules on, the way that students collaborate digitally within the context of your institution, all of those things are going to factor into what makes one school different from another. So anyways, that, that, that was a lot, but, um, (laughs) those are just some of the interesting uh, conversations I had this week that I think pair very nicely with some of the things that you've thrown out. Yep. And I think, you know, each week we we talk about various strategies, some short-term, like I referenced some longer term, like you referenced. Um, and, and there, I would say even in the midterm, you know, because you could begin that process, um, using products like that, tools like that, that begin to change the way you engage, um, begin that now and, and have, you know, something in place for your fall 22 class. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and there, there are things that, and, and I'm sure we're, we're crazy right now. We don't have a whole lot of time or most folks don't, but there are things you can be doing today um, that also impact your fall 2022 class, because normally high school juniors have been out, uh, the past, I don't know, four, six, eight weeks, uh, and will continue for another four or so weeks to be taking a lot of tours. Yeah, they do their visits. Well, that's I would suspect pretty different this year. Um, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out, but are they going to the same number? 
probably not because not everybody's offering the same uh, physical tour. Uh, some aren't offering at all. Some are very limited, and therefore um, they're not offering. You know, I saw a tour going on on a college campus last Thursday. Uh, I was able to uh, swing by my my wife's alma mater. We we were running an errand and we swung, swung by and it was a campus tour of two people. Um, wow. And I know their lunchtime, um, their lunchtime tours are not two people. Yeah. And so you, <laughs> you know that it's starting to change a little bit. So as you think about doing what you're doing for your, uh, for, for the fall 21 class and thinking about going from virtual to physical, you could also be doing the same with your junior class, add them to the mix, if they, if a high school junior has done that, hey, if you didn't get a chance to take your college tour, we're opening up. Yeah, we want you to start that tour with us. Yeah, um, you know what's really interesting too is uh, this is somewhat tangential, but it just reminded me um, of something I saw on LinkedIn. Uh, I think this was a couple of days ago, but I've introduced you to the folks at uh, at Zimi and Harrison uh, Campbell, who everyone calls him Soup. Uh, who's a great, uh, fun dude to follow on social media, on Twitter and LinkedIn. He had this post about sort of calling out like, you know, in we a lot of higher ed marketers talk about, you know, peer-to-peer as sort of, you know, a college student talking to a high school student. And his he had this great post about the fact that like the challenges and the things that, you know, a, high, uh, a college uh, junior is uh, or or a college senior is thinking about is very different than the things that a college junior, excuse me, a high school junior or a high school senior is is thinking about and talking about, right? Like there, and and in most contexts, there's at least a few years of of difference, a few year, a few years of of a gap between those audiences, and yet, like we often talk about those uh, those folks as being like peer to peer, right? Thinking about. How do we how do we help peer to peer marketing happen at colleges and universities? What that means in most contexts is how do we take a you know a, a veteran uh, a college student and connect them with a prospective high school student? And I th- I just thought that that quick comment was worth was worth throwing in here because I I do I, I was struck by that and I I use this term a ton in like uh, the things that I write and uh, even even in podcasting and the people that I'm that I'm interviewing. And so I think like even thinking as this pertains to campus tours, right, about like um, the, the, the way in which you partner um, and, and you, you, you sort of connect prospective students with, with current students on these tours, doing your best to close that gap and uh, pairing a, 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 a college freshman, if, if it's even possible, with a high school senior so that it is, it is at least a little bit more uh, peer-to-peer-like or just dropping that language altogether and not trying to um, not trying to think about you know P2P uh, marketing as something that is like happening within the context of a college tour. So I don't know if any of that made sense. I just <laughs> thought that that was worth that that was worth like calling out and noting because I like I like giving airtime to people that I think are encouraging us to think differently about something. So anyhow, so. So that I think that makes sense is relevant. So why don't we? I want to take just a moment here and expand on that, please. Um, because I I I like the idea and I like the concept. I, I agree that there probably is a little bit of a challenge finding a high school freshman that's ready to do what you need your campus tour guide to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean you get rid of that idea. How can I use that that college freshman in a different way? How can I find that first year student and still allow that student to engage? Does that person come along on the tour? Does that person, is that person uh, waiting 
at the end of the tour back at the office so they can have a real chat with the student. So we're not just giving you a student's view of the campus because the student's giving the tour, but you get a real insight to life on campus from a different student, someone who's just started and who can more recently compare that experience from the tour to the decision to enroll, who, who can share with that because it just happened a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. That, can we do that? Or maybe um, maybe it's even like, can. yeah, as, as what you're saying is maybe that uh, that handoff happens with like the, the post communications, right? So after campus tour guide, you know, Mr. Senior, who is, uh, has done this for two and a half years now, knows how to, knows the drill, like loves your campus, right? Knows, knows where, where all the fun happens, knows, you know, how the story behind each building, right? Knows, you know, how, where to point to certain faculty members offices and share a story or two that, um, uh, that's fun and engaging and inspiring. And then when you get back to the office, it's like, Hey, by the way, like, thank you for joining this, you know, this, this tour. Here's somebody who, uh, uh, you know, meet Joe. He's a, he's a freshman here. He just, you know, he just finished his, um, freshman year. He's a great resource to tap into for any specific questions you might have around, Hey, what is my first year going to be like? And then sort of that, any sort of follow-up communication happens between, you know, him and, and the prospective student. So I don't know. Folks can folks that are smarter and think about this stuff way more than we do can can uh, can figure this out. But but yeah, I, I think that that's, um, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. There's the, schools typically have some some pretty high requirements to to get into those roles of tour guides and things like that. Um, a, you've got to have, you know, X number of credits. Already. We want you to be a sophomore or junior. We want you to have this 3.5 GPA, all these other little things in there. Um, but, but with the freshman, imagine having that conversation um, with this first year student says, oh, it's been great chat with you. I've got to run. I've got an appointment at the tutoring center. Um, yeah. Like that, that person could talk about what it's like to get tutoring. Usually by the time you're a junior or senior, um, you're less likely to use the tutoring center. Uh, not as well. I don't, maybe that's not an accurate statement, but the people that you're selecting for your tours are higher achievers and they are less likely. Yeah. Yeah. They've gone through the learning curves and figured out how to better manage their time. They already know that um, these first year students haven't, and they can maybe share a little bit about that. I'd also say, I don't want to completely discount, you know, the peer to peer piece. Yes. I, I agree. There's a, a difference, a substantial difference, but from the high school student, sometimes it's helpful for them to see that upperclassman because yet are they developing the same peer to peer? No but they're also seeing that's the student I want to be. Yeah. 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 This is this cool. I mean, think about it as a freshman going into high school for the first time, you're like, Oh, that's a senior. Same thing. Same thing. Um, on the flip side of it, you know, I can remember um, one of the first weekends on campus when I was a freshman and yes, this was 20. Was it 20 yeah. Over 20 years ago. All right. So I can say this with, with confidence. Surely it's not 30, but it, it's close to 30 years ago. Um, freshman on campus, um, walking with some friends on a Friday night from dinner to our dorm and passing um, some girls are coming by. And, you know, we we're like, oh, there goes. Uh, and 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 they're chuckling like, oh, there's a, there's a group of freshmen. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah. you know, and like we were like, oh, and, and but you have this like different and it's but there's this looking up to you want to look up to someone like that. Um, and so I don't want to discount that and, and think about that as part of the, the role and the value of this upperclassman that's well established uh, and setting you know, this tone and precedent for this is what our student, um, this is what our ideal student looks like. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Well, we're just, we're just about at time. Um, should we share a couple of, uh, of exciting announcements? 
Let's share, let's share it. Okay, okay. Let's share it. I forgot you wanted to share this. I, I've been I, waiting I to share it for weeks. I know. So, so Mickey, uh, Mickey, why don't you why don't you take it uh, away? Um, I will say that for anyone that listened has been listening to us for a while, they will ha- they will remember that we first talked about this idea back in I think it was November actually. I remember where I was recording the podcast from, and it was an Airbnb uh, right outside of Asheville, North Carolina, where we first. Um, talked about this idea and actually that was probably that probably happened offline i don't know that we actually talked about it on the podcast but um i think well i will say i think we may have touched on it on a podcast okay. um, and committed to expanding on it okay and folks as you're listening and thinking okay what are they talking about i don't remember that episode that's okay um, <laughs> but i just want you to know this is how big the announcement and or at least the idea and concept that we're bringing forward is because it happened months ago and zach can remember exactly where he was on the day exactly exactly that the idea came up. I was having conversations with colleagues a couple weeks before that, and um, we were talking about CRM and and some uh, background that uh, one of my uh, coworkers and I have both have in terms of theater. Um, he and I were theater undergrads, and uh, the the we were talking about improv and we talked CRM. And so I, I was like, oh, I came up with the idea of like CR improv. I was like, oh, that's a great name. That has <laughs> to be a podcast. Like, how do we how do we have something that cool? and not do something with it. And so, yes, that's the announcement. There's a new podcast coming in two weeks, CR Improv. And it is, uh, as it sounds, focused on CRM, and it's unscripted. Um, whatever comes, comes. We're going to uh, – I've got a co-host, Zach, one of your new colleagues, Jamie Gleason, and I. Uh, I've been chatting for a while, and uh, we came together to to host this um, this new podcast. We've recorded a couple episodes, uh, and I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I'm so – and I think other people I've teased this to seem to be really excited. Um, and, and I'd say the excitement's real because we have sponsors, right? Yes. Yes. There's, there's some, there's some legit, uh, legit players coming on to, uh, the scene. So, so this is going to be big. Yeah. It's the real deal. It's the uh, so, real deal. uh, so we've got, but we're bringing in guests. When I say guests, uh, um, we're not talking, bringing in, CEO of X uh, CRM and nothing against doing that, but you know, it's not to say, Oh, this is a really cool thing we want to have. No, we're talking about we, our first episode, I'll give you a little, a little tease to it. We've got a couple of folks from an institution that recently went through a merger, two other institutions merged together into one. Um, and what does that mean for CRM? Two different CRM platforms. They selected a new third one that both had to be brought into a single CRM. To me, that was incredibly intriguing of, of an idea that Jamie brought to the table for our first episode. We got a chance to talk to a couple of folks on the ground, and they were implementing this as while they're doing a merger in the midst of a pandemic. Wow. Could it wow. get more chaotic? No, I don't think it could. Uh, I don't think it could. I don't think it could. Uh, and they successfully did this, and this was really cool to see how it came together, what the process was like. That's just episode one. Um, we will have some folks from some of those serum vendors out there. Um, we're working with one. I don't want to give away too much, but um, on what it means to have a real relationship with your vendor. How do you push them to support some of your more unique needs? Yeah. You know, looking at tells and, and tips like that, um, that get you um, additional support and resources from the vendor when you already have someone on site rather than, you know, do you need to go find someone else? Um, you know, that's, that's important. I'm excited for that. We've got several other, we've got, I don't know, maybe three more lined up. So I'm really excited. Um, it will only be every other week. 
Um, and so you'll get a chance to listen to this podcast every week, CRM Prof coming up every two weeks. And we launch that uh, at the end of the month, right, Zach? Yes, it'll it'll launch on the 29th. And so um, the best way if we are, the subscription page will be up very, very soon. Um, but if you just go to uh, enrollify.org and you subscribe to all things Enrollify, you'll be, uh, you'll be able to get access to that show. Um, and then you will also, if you want to just wait until the 29th too, you'll be able to, uh, sign up and subscribe to that show just, um, on its own. If you don't want, if yep. you don't want any of the other content that we put out and, or it'll be available on all of your, uh, favorite podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. So you can also just go ahead and follow the show there. So yeah, Monday, the 29th is when it launches. And it's, you know, it's one of those, um, I'm sure you'll find it, um, more information popping up in your social feeds in the next week and a half too. Absolutely. Uh, right. Yep, yep. Yep. So I'm super excited. Uh, so everyone, you get more wonderful ideas and I'm really excited more Mickey. To, to more Mickey, uh, more Mickey. Well, I don't want to say that. It's always some people, you know, <laughs> uh, I have a threshold for the amount of Mickey I can handle. I'm sure other people do as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. the kids have a threshold as well so oh, everybody's got the threshold uh, well hey we're excited about this this is gonna be a big deal so uh coming soon to a podcast feed near you be on the lookout for crm prov well sir hey uh thank you for your time as always and um we'll chat more next week sounds good thanks for listening everyone mm-hmm.